The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at zed.co.nz. Welcome to Remember When, when we take a little break to look back on the trends and phenomena that defined our time as youth in Aotearoa. My name's Jane Yee and today I'm joined by the spin-off's Aotea editor Leonie Hayden and managing editor Duncan Grieve to remember when we bought CDs. <laughs> I feel like this is a big thing for you, Duncan. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just so much money. Like, so much, so much money. money. So That's the thing. Money. Like I, I actually still have some CDs, but I do. I, I've kept them because I haven't yet got to the point where I can get rid of them. But the total amount of money I spent on CDs would terrify yeah. me if I saw it sort of stacked up in the corner. If you're listening to this and you're under twenty-five, imagine a world in which you paid. $35 to listen to 10 to 12 songs. And only a few of them were really probably any good. Yeah, and you might only like two of them. And you forced yourself to like the others because you'd invested yeah, so like much money. Some kind of Stockholm syndrome. And also $35 back then is basically the equivalent of like $1,500 now. so much money. <laughs> so much money. What would it be, do you reckon? The inflation adjusted is probably something like 50 but it that doesn't really capture how big of a deal it felt like because you weren't going out to bars, you weren't definitely weren't going out to restaurants. Like eating culture wasn't really a thing. Like a CD store was just this thing that just sort of sucked all your money out. Yeah. Like it was a thing to do with friends as well. Like well, let's go real groovy. Yeah. And you just like kill a couple of hours. It was a status symbol as well. Oh yeah. Like owning that later Smashing Pumpkin C D when someone else didn't own that Smashing Pumpkins CD was like a real source of pride. And if you only had a 10-sleeve CD wallet in your car, get the fuck out. <laughs> CD no wallet. friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> the music industry, uh, in terms of its scale, peaked in 2001, which was, was peak CD, because CDs were tremendously cheap to make, very cheap to distribute. People bought them like like crazy. The, the, the industry was just, just spectacularly successful. I worked at a record label kind of just past the heyday. I worked when it, basically when it was all starting to go to shit. But the the stories that came out of the kind of like what record companies were like at the time when CDs were just flying out the doors. Oh my goodness. Rolling around and beds of cocaine. And, and then Napster happened and then LimeWire happened mm. and then eventually the kind of new world as, as of Spotify and streaming kind of formed around it. But in that period, like I, when was your peak buying era? Because I was sort of 96 through 2001 was when I was just disgorging my bank account onto it. Yeah, I, I'd be similar. I'd say probably slightly a year or two later than you and then probably continuing right on into 
until I started working in music television and got CDs for free. And that was yeah. a huge thing, right? It used to be paid for writing music reviews with getting the CD that you reviewed, and that felt like good. Yeah. Duncan and I used to work at The Groove Guide and Real Groove, respectively, which was based inside Real Groovy Records. So as we were staff, we got a discount, but then they would also do trade-ins. So I would get... These piles right. of like CDs to review and at the end of the week or the month when there was like the pile left that no one wanted to review, I'd trade them in downstairs and then get like a whopping like 30% discount or whatever on whatever I wanted to buy. So in that period, I was buying CDs by their dozens for free. There was also a real physical element, obviously the, the, the tangible CD, but going into a record store and you're walking out with like posters and yes. books about and the, Artists the t-shirts. and t-shirts and badges. It was, it was more than just the humble CD. Yeah, I've got like this half-written sort of essay in my G-Drive at the moment about the ways we used to get culture. I always think about when I used to buy seven-inch singles from Jamaica from this guy, Finn, who sold normal? them out. Super normal. <laughs> yeah. And he lived in like a gated apartment building and you'd go around and he'd play them to you because there was no other way to hear them. And smoke weed. And he, he had the opposite taste in dancehall to me. So it was only by the end when he was playing the least good records by that, that things would perk up. And I'm just like, that transaction, just all of the complexities of it were just so different. The cost and all of the strange elements to it versus like now everything is just on Spotify. And it's weirdly, weirdly like the incentive to go and find the thing feels massively diminished mm. because of the thing is just everywhere and accessible all the mm. time. I would used to walk in to Real Groovy and just cover art was a big thing. I would be like, hey, that's cool cover art that yeah. I feel like I can identify with. Every now and again, I would just like bust twenty nine ninety five on an album I knew nothing about. Wow. <laughs> Did you ever come up real good? I don't think so. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it I just want like to say that's won't. a very bad way to buy yeah. CDs, but you don't have to worry about that anymore because the things don't exist. No. Okay, so there are still CDs available. Uh, I'd imagine there are still Andre Ryu CDs available. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think last year, I, again, I'm just, just trotting this out and hoping it's true. Pretty sure last year was the year when vinyl overtook CDs yeah, right. for the first time since... CDs overtook vinyl in like 1990 or whatever. It feels like that moment should be marked somehow because it, it tells you a lot about the, the changing shape of the industry. Yeah, it does. The other thing about CDs, considering the cost of them, they were very fragile. This is what I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, it's, let's go. It's a rubbish product. Absolutely. Like, if you liked a CD, you know, as soon as you'd given it any kind of a workout, one of the little ears of the jewel case would snap off and it would stop being able to be open. You know, this is why they made the industry made it was so highly profitable because the actual, it was a piece of shit. I think the quality diminished over time as well. I feel like CDs that I bought in the late 90s lasted forever yeah and then stuff they bought in the early 2000s would just get scratched immediately might have been your lifestyle it might have been my lifestyle (laughs) the problem with the jewel case is that it's not fit for purpose it's basically the thing that is supposed to protect what you've purchased is the very thing that destroys it you know (laughs) (laughs) can i just say that i recently sold my cd collection i'd done a cull many years ago of stuff that was scratched or whatever and then just kept everything that was good condition, but it was still, I was never going to listen to any of these CDs again. I put it on Trade Me where, with photos of, I guess, the, the better, more classic albums that I thought would appeal to collectors. 
And I ended up selling my entire CD collection for $300, oh. which was... That's 10 CDs. I, I know, exactly. And I sat there and I watched about $8,000 worth of CDs walk out the wow. door. Wow. For 300 bucks. I've culled and culled and culled and I still, every time we move house, it's like those boxes of CDs. What are we going to do with those? It's very illogical. Yeah. I'm impressed that you've done it, Leonie. I'm scared that, like my mum says, I don't trust the cloud. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was easy for me to get rid of a heap when I was working at the label and getting like 10 or 12 new releases over my desk and I just reached critical mass and I chucked out heaps. Mm. I definitely didn't trade any. 100% 100% did not do that. So I was working at Sounds in the Rialto in Newmarket, a really unsuccessful sound. Sounds went bankrupt like maybe two years later and it was in part because they'd taken these locations. I mean, that's how much money was around. They were just everywhere. I remember the day the first remix came out with a cover-mounted CD and it was like a scrum and people were calling constantly because they could get a magazine for 10 bucks with a free, no doubt terrible, sort of dance music compilation on the cover but the novelty of that was so profound that they just sold out everywhere and because we were sort of a relatively low-ranking store you know when people started to realize it was sold out you really had to kind of go and look for it that's just how valuable cds were at the time and yet the same store you couldn't give away the paul holmes cd that just (laughs) that was also peak cd i was like let's just give paul holmes a cd he's keen okay so there was real groovy I want to say Corner Records, Duncan, because that's like when I very first met you, you were working at Corner Records on Lawn Street? Or Lawn High Street, Street, yeah. Lawn Street. That felt like quite a high status job at the that time. That was very high fidelity. Yeah. Shit, yeah. The warehouse obviously came in. You worked at the oh, warehouse as well. Yeah. Uh, and the warehouse was cut those prices down. $10 CDs, yeah. $14 CDs, $20 CDs. The CD store, which then turned into the CD and DVD store, which is telling. Uh, Planet Jack. Sounds, what, Marbex? Marbex is actually the, the survivor. The other thing that, that CD stores provided for us was the opportunities to have signings and in-store appearances, like live performances <laughs> from artists. It seems crazy. What do you do now? Go head to Spotify head office? Yeah, that's true. I mean, because you do get bands touring to play showcases now, but the... The in-store, like I remember queuing forever to get that Billy Piper poster. But now I think that the signing phenomenon gets folded into the meet and greet, which gets added on to like a premium ticket. Yeah, but that's too expensive. Oh, I know, exactly. When I was working at a record label that just did like um, metal and hardcore bands for Roadrunner Records, and there were heaps of our bands that we'd do a meet and greet and real groovy. Yeah. Because those weren't the genres of music I personally was into. I was always a little bit like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. We're going to organise one. Anyway, and there was always just cues out the door for people to meet, you know, Jamie Jaster or whatever. And they'd just come with every single CD they'd ever <laughs> bought by that band to get them to sign it. And the artists were happy to do it. In summary, I missed the culture around CDs. Yes, just not, I agree. Not the format. I missed the format. I miss it all. <laughs> Thank you, Leonie. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Remember When, brought to you by the Spinoff members. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you rate and review us, and also a massive thank you to Tina Tiller for being our production whiz. Bye. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. 
Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Kia ora e te iwi, te aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.